Welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Credit Sites podcast. My name is Winnie Caesar. I'm the Global Head of Strategy at Credit Sites. And today I'm joined by Logan Miller, our Head of European Strategy, to talk all things Euro, high yield, and investment grade. We are going to review our current positioning, our forecast for the end of 2023, and then try to take a look into the future, though it feels a bit fraught at this point, with some forecasts for 2024. Logan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Wendy, thanks for having me. All right. So I do want to give a quick recap of where we started the year and some of our 2023 forecasts because Logan just joined us. He was one of my fellow colleagues at Wells Fargo for many years, and he is soon making the move across the pond to set up shop in our London office. And before he joined, I did have the responsibility for these forecasts for the Euro IG and high yield markets. And we really started the year with a fairly cautious view. We thought if any economy was going to enter into a period of what felt like stagflation, the Eurozone economy probably was ripe for that type of outcome. We had a fairly cautious positioning in terms of spread forecasts, expecting Euro IG spreads to tread a little bit wider over the course of the year to around 175 basis points and Euro high yield spreads to also widen out to 525s. Now, we've had a remarkably strong start to the year in the euro investment grade and high yield markets, though spreads have come under some pressure recently. So we are maintaining those forecasts through the end of the year. And now I'm going to bring in Logan because as we set up for 2024, a lot of the outlook for the rates market, the ECB, the Bank of England are really going to drive the direction of risk sentiment and corporate credit spreads. So Logan, what is your outlook for European rates? Is the ECB done hiking? And what about the Bank of England? Yeah, thanks, Winnie. I definitely agree with your point that central bank policy is really going to be in, in the driver's seat for the, the continued future. Really, that's been the biggest kind of theme over the course of this year is central banks trying to bring down the pace of inflation across both the Eurozone and the UK. Essentially, our view is that the current rate hiking cycle has by and large topped out at this point. Now, really, the biggest challenge is how markets recalibrate to the current levels of policy rates and also forecasting the timing of less restrictive monetary policy, I think, is one of the biggest things that we are looking at in terms of our outlook for 2024 and beyond. If you look at kind of inflation trends across the Eurozone, we've certainly seen good progress both in Europe and the UK on that front, which certainly means that central bank policies are working as intended, albeit probably a bit slower than expected given the size of the pace and the size of increases we've seen across policy rates by both the uh, ECB and the Bank of England so far this year. I guess looking a little bit forward, my biggest concern is that 
Inflation is still the top priority of central bankers around the globe. And while economic growth comes really second in the mind of policymakers at this point. So inflation, like I mentioned, is certainly trending in the right direction, but it's not clear yet that we are totally out of the woods in terms of getting inflation back down to sort of long-term normal rates of around 2%. That means that the risk of reinflation, I think, still looms in the background as many of these secular trends, such as energy price volatility and tight labor markets, as well as just the overall demographics of some of these developed countries appears likely to persist. In other words, you know, we think that central bankers are willing to let this higher rate regime play out and we'll need some serious convincing before loosening monetary policy going forward. Otherwise, you know, they run the risk of having to tighten even more aggressively, which we think would have some serious consoles for both the economy and financial markets. So clearly there's a, there's a very delicate balance that central bankers are trying to maintain of bringing down inflation without throwing their economies into a tailspin, which is obviously a very difficult task when thinking about setting policy and then also forecasting what we think the, the ECB and Bank of England will do. Officially, our forecast is for the ECB to cut rates by about 50 basis points next year. It likely is going to be trailing the move in what we see in the Fed. The Fed's policy, we do think that real rates obviously are, are much higher in the US relative to Europe. So we think for that reason, the ECB will be trailing the, the Fed in terms of trying to loosen policy up a bit. Nonetheless, you know, that even kind of a 50 basis point rate cut still is fairly restrictive for the overall economy. And certainly we think that there's still going to be some consequences of super high interest rates for the time being. You know, our forecast is basically for deceleration inflation over the next year or so, but nothing again, we think it's going to take some time to get back down to the ECB and the Bank of England's kind of 2%-ish long-term target. So still kind of dealing with relatively elevated yields for the foreseeable future. And we'll have to see how that kind of plays out. So elevated yields for the foreseeable future and the rates markets have been a little bit wild lately, including the BTP boon spread, which has widened out a bit. Now, historically, people get pretty nervous about that. So is that a signal that investors should be worried or is there just more noise in the rates market that is contributing to that widening of BTP boon spreads? Yeah, I mean, if you, I think if you look across global fixed income markets, really rate volatility has been so pronounced, definitely outpacing what we've seen in, in credit. And we've seen basically just enormous moves, enormous swings in government bond yields. So I think in terms of the BTB boon spread widening we've seen over the last couple of weeks or so, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One is obviously global government debt concerns. Clearly, fiscally, we've been borrowing at record clips across sort of the global markets. In the background, too, number two would be you know quantitative tightening. The ECB continues to unwind its enormous balance sheet, and that certainly has a sort of a technical effect on sovereign markets and demand for sovereign bonds. And the third thing would just be kind of a weaker growth outlook for Europe, and particularly for some of these highly indebted countries like Greece and Italy. If you look at their total debt outstanding relative to kind of where their nominal GDP is well north of two times, so clearly governments are borrowing and they're not seeing sort of the growth potential from that sort of fiscal easing. So I think that's really been the biggest development. I would note that despite some of this BTB boon spread widening we've seen, which is really kind of the benchmarker for European sovereign risk, we're still actually tighter on the year in terms of that spread differential between 10-year and 10-year BTPs and, and boons. So certainly gotten some pressure more recently, but still well below any sort of signal of major risk in the European sovereign market. And this is not really a new development in Europe. We've seen this actually story play out several times in the last 10 or 15 years. We did have a pretty good chart in our Q4 slash year ahead outlook, which really shows where the risk and the 
fixed income markets lie. And we overlapped BTP boon spreads with Euro IG spreads. And it basically shows how the risks have been shifting back and forth between fiscal concerns and credit concerns. And clearly the fiscal concerns still remain the dominant theme there over the last kind of decade or so. Whereas pre-crisis, a European credit was really sort of the outlier in terms of leading the risk wider. That's really interesting. So looking ahead into 2024 with our preliminary forecast scenarios, can you give us a quick overview of the different scenarios? And are you sticking with the base case that I came up with for 2023 with kind of a cautious view and end spreads going slightly wider through the end of this year? Yeah, I think that still makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think our central forecast is that the Eurozone economy operates in sort of a stagflation light environment. So again, yeah, we do maintain a cautious positioning across both the European IG and high yield, recommending market weight allocations to both asset classes. And, and it's really what we think is going to be a challenging end of the year for risk assets across Europe. We did maintain our year-end 2023 spread, spread targets that you did come up with before I got here of 175 basis points for Euro IG, uh, 525 basis points for Euro high yield. So represents, you know, modest spread winding from here. I think it's nothing. We're not calling for anything like we saw toward the end of last year, but we started to see some pretty major challenges from both inflation and the reaction from central bankers and spreads gapped out on the heels of that. I don't think it's going to be anything like that in the near term, but I do expect to see continued kind of pressure at the margin and for spreads to kind of leak wider from here through year end. But I think looking past that, obviously, those spread targets that I mentioned, 175 for Euro IG and 525 per Euro high yield are, are pretty compelling levels. And those are actually, I think if we do get to those levels, I think that's a pretty fair value target uh, in terms of beginning to add credit risk and spread duration. So again, we're a bit more constructive on the outlook for 2024. I think particularly beyond the first quarter, I think there's still a lot of kind of macro events to get through between now and then, obviously looking at inflation, where does growth come out at the end of this year? But I think once you look beyond that, I think central bankers will begin to loosen policy somewhat. And so we're looking for spreads to actually end the year next year, 2024, materially tighter from year in 2023. Uh, our official forecast is for Euro IG spreads to narrow to about 140 basis points over the course of next year, and then for high yield to get back to about 450 basis points, which is effectively a round trip from where we are today to where we're expecting to go to the end of this year, and then back down to sort of like current levels by the end of next year. But I think despite the ECB's outlook for challenging conditions, you know, again, we expect the central bank to be on hold through the first quarter of next year, and then subsequently cut rates by 25 basis points, at least twice in the remainder of 2024. But even so, firm labor markets and potential upside of surprises in energy prices leaves us to expect, like I mentioned, some stagflation light conditions where consumer inflation stays above 2% for some time. And then we see growth really subdued by these elevated levels of rates. So in the near term, we're expecting upward pressure on boon yields to continue through year end. But then we also expect that to ease somewhat uh, as we get into next year with our two-year and 10-year boon forecasts closing 2023 at 3.1% and 2.9% respectively. So right around sort of the peak that we hit in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I'll pass it back to you, Winnie. Awesome. So cautious near term, but constructive longer term. When do you think we're going to hit that 175 and 525 for Euro IG and high yield? Think it'll be really by year end or is this a Q1 event next year? Man, it seems like it keeps getting pushed out. Again, forecasting the timing of this is really difficult. But I think just the narrative of spreads going wider in the near term and then sort of rebounding thereafter, I think makes a lot of sense. So I guess in terms of just sort of overall positioning, I think 
you know, we think that the belly of the spread curve within the Euro IG market, call that the five to seven year segment of the market, should outperform as we sort of get to these spread levels. And we think we're going to see a rotation out of cash and extension and demand for spread duration to leave to curve flattening. Again, this is more of a longer term kind of 2024 view. You know, we continue to have a preference for sort of triple B issuers and, and defensive non-financial sectors. And then also some less cyclical pockets of the financial sector, which we can talk about on the call in just a bit. But we do think that many of these IG companies have the ability to do lever amid higher rates, and they also have the incentive to do so. So that that's what gives us makes us a little more constructive on the outlook for longer term kind of for. And then for high yield, we continue to find compelling opportunities in mid to high single B rated credits, especially in low dollar price bonds in the front end, call that one to three duration of capital structures. But we do expect evaluations across ratings to remain decompressed and really for challenges in the triple C rated basket within the euro high yield market to continue. So it seems like euro corporate fundamentals are in good shape if you're kind of advocating for reaching down in credit risk, albeit in those kind of more defensive, less cyclical sectors. Are companies broadly in the euro markets in pretty good shape fundamentally, or have we seen some acute pressure from higher policy rates, inflation, all of the things that have been kind of weighing on corporate earnings? Yeah, I think it's really been almost a rolling recession in terms of what we're seeing across Euro corporate fundamentals at the sector level. There's been clearly some kind of acute pressure in certain pockets of the market, like real estate. We had meaningful pressure earlier this year across kind of global banks. And it feels to me like that's probably going to be the the most likely outcome for next year is that we just continue to see the evolution of sectors going through sort of a recession-like environment. So broadly as a whole, credit fundamentals certainly do look pretty good. If you look at leverage over the last couple of years, we're sort of right in line with that five-year median. Cash balances, particularly across the Euro IG market, are are quite strong. And so once again, I think companies are going to be focused on dealing with higher rates, trying to deleverage at the margin. And again, I think they do have, most European IG companies do have the ability to do so. In, In the high yield market, it's a little bit less clear. I think there's a lot more bifurcation in terms of credit quality. Obviously, if you look at where spreads across the triple C stack are are trading relative to double Bs and single Bs, certainly would point to some pretty meaningful pressure on balance sheets. I think that the cost of financing, of debt financing has just become, has gotten to levels that are just issuers cannot really continue to maintain. So I am worried about sort of the low end of the high yield market. If you look at interest coverage, ratios have been coming down quite a bit over the last, call it four to six quarters or so. So that certainly doesn't paint a very great outlook for for European high yield fundamentals. But I think a lot of that's been sort of weeded out at this point. So we'd be kind of most concerned about just the low hanging fruit in this triple C space, unless there's some sort of capital injection by a sponsor or something like that, that kind of bails them out or gives them at least a few more years to kind of get over the hump. But right now it just does, it feels like that segment of the market's going to remain weak. Yeah, I would ask as a follow-up, so how about the Euro high-yield primary market? Is it functioning right now? And do we have concerns about rising borrowing costs or just persistently elevated borrowing costs as we look ahead to 2025 and 2026, where I think the maturity walls are starting to get pretty significant? Yeah, that's right. I mean, so far, what we've seen is relatively strong demand for the primary markets. I think that It's for a couple of reasons. One, there's better liquidity in some of the new issue bonds that are kind of being traded right off the break. So certainly there's been good demand for Euro IG issuance in that sense. But I think 
looking forward, we were expecting supply to remain pretty robust across the Euro IG market. Really, it comes down to demand at that point. And, and so far this year, we've seen relatively strong demand. Like I mentioned, we've seen pretty big inflows into Euro IG, which I think has really helped keeping the, the Euro primary market alive. But there's obviously been a shift toward kind of shorter duration borrowing as issuers look to kind of bridge the gap and then potentially refi those maturities uh, at lower rates in the future. So I think that's one trend that we continue to expect in the foreseeable future is sort of a shift toward refining upcoming maturities with short data paper rather than you know, locking in 10, 30 year rates at the current levels just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to do. But I would say in terms of kind of our forecast, we're expecting Euro IG supply to end the year right around 525 billion euros. Currently, we stand at 460 billion euros on the year. So we're, we're about 88% of the way there. For, for next year, we're expecting a, a modest increase of about 5% year over year for Euro IG supply to reach around 550 billion euros. And I think a lot of that has to do with the looming maturity wall. Like you mentioned, we see some pretty meaningful maturities over the next couple of years, and it really steps up all the way through 2026. So expect a continued focus on liability management to drive the bulk of new issue supply across the Euro IG market. And then a high yield, I think we've seen evidence that companies are willing to test the waters. I think management teams have sort of accepted the fact that, you know, borrowing costs, new issue coupons are significantly higher than they were a few years ago. But it's, you know, with QT in the background, with where policy rates are today, I think management teams have sort of accepted the fact that they're going to have to to borrow at levels that they haven't seen in over a decade. So I think it's going to be one of those markets where sort of the higher rated, more defensive companies test the waters. But I think that'll obviously, the more we see that over the next year or so, that should kind of help markets find sort of a pricing level for high yield issuers. So we are looking for high yield issuance to, to increase next year to around 90 billion euros from our forecast for this year of 50 billion euros. That's a pretty material increase. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the maturity wall over the next couple of years for Euro high yield issuers. It's pretty substantial, especially as, as you get past 2024. But I think companies will be focused on kind of refining those upcoming maturities over the next 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it probably is worth mentioning that the Euro high yield market has a very high allocation to double B issuers. U.S. high yield has increasingly become more weighted to double Bs, but the Euro high yield market is even more significantly double Bs. So that increase in high yield issuance, it is kind of an alarming number at face value. But when you factor in that it's a lot of kind of high quality refinancing of maturities, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with the outlook as a whole. Yeah, that's true. And I think one thing that could potentially get us to a sort of a lower forecast is what we're seeing with the differences in, in monetary policy. If you look at just kind of hedging costs overall, I think it's our base case is that the Fed cuts rates before the ECB. Well, that means that you know dollar hedging costs should come down quite a bit from where they are. And so that could actually open the door for more Yankee issuance in the US, taking it away from Euro primary markets. So that's something I'm closely watching as well. That's a really good point as well. The FX effect is going to be significant next year if our forecasts come to fruition. And there are a lot of kind of moving pieces on both the supply and demand side of things related to FX. So you mentioned a bit ago sector strategy. Do you have any top picks across the sector level that you are really liking or places that you think investors should either steer clear or at least proceed with caution? Yeah, it's sector strategies is, is difficult. I think within the euro markets in general, you have a lot of European based issuers that issue in euro, euro denominated debt. And you also have a lot of kind of reverse Yankees of US companies issuing in the euro market. So 
if you look at kind of valuations at the sector level, they do appear kind of bifurcated in that sense. So it makes it kind of difficult to make a broad-based call when you have such a diverse issuer base. But, you know, I think around the margins, I, I would be looking to be fairly close to home. I don't think that next year is going to be one of those years where you need to swing for the fences and load up on risk just because spreads are wide. And at the same time, you know, being super defensive and some of the very high quality stuff, I think you really want to kind of meet in the middle and sort of maintain that market weight allocation to some of the more, you know, sort of beta of one sector. So I would think that utility seems like a fairly good place to be. Given where valuations are today, we remain pretty comfortable with that sector overall. And then obviously our Euro banks analysts recently upgraded the team's view on AT1 bonds issued by the bank. So that's probably a place to look around the margins. And then also when it comes to sort of the, the, the corporate side and the non-financial sector, I think there are some opportunities within some of the more hybrid structures. If you look at within autos, a lot of those names are trading significantly wide with yields 200 or more basis points over the Euro IG market. So I think there are some opportunities there as well. And then on the flip side of that, I would steer clear of some of the really tight trading names. Not that we're concerned about fundamentals in in a lot of these sectors, but I think there's just really no value here, no upside in a lot of those kind of, you know, defensive names. That would be something like, you know, retail, consumer goods, basic industries. It's just not a lot of value there. The upside just doesn't look great. If we do get kind of, even if spreads kind of trade sideways from here on out, those those sectors are going to outperform from sort of excess return basis. So that's kind of where we stand on sector strategy. That's super helpful. So let's leave our audience, as most analysts do, with something to worry about. So Logan, what is on your radar in terms of some of the risks in the near term and then also over the course of 2024? Yeah, I think, you know, near term, obviously, geopolitics is is certainly a major issue that we're dealing with and that continues to sort of evolve on a day-to-day basis, but that does give me some concern. And if you look at just the impact of these sort of events, it just drives significant volatility in rates markets. It's so difficult to forecast how these kind of things play out, but certainly it means that volatility is going to remain elevated, particularly for rates, which makes it very difficult to be you're an asset allocator to think about, um, you know, from a kind of a total return standpoint, how do we position? So that's, that's one big challenge, I think. You know, longer term, I think there's some concern about consumer over in Europe, given kind of what's going on in the real estate sector, you know, high rates obviously aren't great for consumer spending. So I think that's, you know, the risk of sort of a more material slowdown in the consumer is certainly one major concern I have for next year. And then, you know, the lastly, it would be the sort of the aftermath of policy tightening and quantitative tightening. How do governments and central bankers respond to sort of a major slowdown if we do get one? And then how effective our central bankers at reversing the damage caused by rate hikes and, and QT. Certainly, that's one thing that I'm closely watching is just how economies respond and how what the recovery looks like if once we do get this sort of this landing. Thank you so much, Logan. I really appreciate this conversation. I do want to highlight that these are our preliminary 2024 years. We all know that there's still a long way to go in 2023. And it seems like the market is moving at a very rapid pace. If anyone has any follow-up questions for either me or Logan, you can always reach us on creditsites.com using that ask an analyst function. Good luck to everyone for the rest of the year and into 2024. And thank you, Logan. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, everyone. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither credit sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast.
Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.